I'm a little sad. Because uh, tonight we're going to wrap up this series we've been calling Reverse Engineering. Uh, actually, it's been nicknamed The Man Series. But um, we're over the last eight weeks, this is the eighth week of this series, we've been looking at descriptions and definitions of, of what and how God describes and defines this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to be a better man, a good man, a husband, a father, a son. And over these last eight weeks, we, we haven't pulled any punches along the way, which is part of the reason I'm sad that this is kind of coming to an end. Because I can honestly say that in all my years of going to church since I was born, and all the years I've stood up in places like this and, and taught, I, I have to say this, I can't think of another series of messages where the harder that we've kind of pushed in and leaned into truth of what the Bible says, and the tougher those messages are to hear for our, for our, our lives, the, the more the responses have come back, both from men and women, keep saying it. Don't, don't back off. Don't water it down. I, I need to hear that. And even though this series has been primarily addressed to, to boys and to men, I've been overwhelmed with the, the amount of feedback from women. And by far, almost all the feedback from women has been the same. It starts with this, thank you. Then it goes on and she says this, I believe in my husband. I, I want him to believe in himself. I know that he can do this thing that, that, that God's talking about. Now, how can I help him believe that he can? Which is awesome. So men, tonight, I, I want to finish what we started eight weeks ago. And by finish, here's what I mean is finish the introduction, right? Finish kind of the orientation, the setup for what hopefully is, a, is the beginning of, and all through this series we've said this, from now on. From now on, for, for the rest of my life, how I live my life personally and with the, the people in my life that I love. It's kind of like going to boot camp and military training. And some of you have gone through that. You've been given a few, uh, few, few tools, a, a few skills to go with those tools. But most importantly... You have a great leader, Jesus, who simply says, you can do this, man. You can do this because with me, all things are possible. So Jesus says, keep your eyes on me, follow me, and I will get you and the people that you love to the target, to where you need to be. So I, I want to take a few minutes and just review the past seven weeks, and then we're going to try to make a decision about what we're going to do with all of this information, this truth that, that Jesus says is a better way for men to live. So let's go back eight weeks. In week one, the challenge went out that we simply, men, we have to start being honest with ourselves. Stop making excuses that, that while many of us say, I want to be a better man, and a lot of us are saying, I, I want to try to be a better man, the, the truth is, and I can be honest, the, the reality is, is that we've been behaving very different than that, right? We, we've been behaving, aiming at something very different than what we say that, that we want is better. Our actions betray us. The bullets don't lie, Right? In other words, we can or we shouldn't act surprised or get angry when the most important parts of our life and the most important relationships in our life don't turn out the way we said or hoped that they would. When, again, if we were honest, it's the logical results and consequences of actions and decisions that we've been making over the years all pointed in the wrong direction. And our current lives are just kind of the, the result of all those decisions we've been making, right? So what do we do? Where, where do we start? Let's go back to the very first verse we unpacked in this series. Hebrews chapter 12. It's here on the, on the screen behind me. Look at this. It says this. Let us, us, or so that's everybody, but let's just talk to men. Men, let's throw off everything that hinders, holds us back, and the sin that so easily entangles, all that stuff in our life that keeps tripping us up, and let us run. Let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here it is. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Not over there and over there, on Jesus. So we started this whole eight-week journey with this. We have to start being honest with ourselves. We have to let go of some of the old behaviors that have been and keep on screwing up our lives. We've got to fix our eyes on something better, someone better. That would be Jesus. And that's where we started. 
Then for the next two weeks, you know, if we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, we spent two weeks looking at the example of Jesus. And we went all the way back to when he was a boy, 13 years old, back there in, in, in Israel, right? And we followed him as he became a man over those 18 years. And here's what Jesus did as a boy becoming a man. And here's what we boys need to do to become better men. Luke chapter 2. And Jesus grew, all right, moved forward in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Remember talking about this? And this is what that means. It meant if, if our wisdom and our ability to make good, wise decisions doesn't keep up with our, 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 our stature, our physical, our sexual, our, our social growth and, and opportunities, the end result is that you have a bunch of 30 and 40-year-old little boys running around, right, with big boy parts and big boy toys and doing big boy things, but unable or unwilling to take responsibility for anything or anyone that they happen to run over with their childish, selfish ways. And a lot of us got run over by that boy, Right? And the application from those two weeks was this. The difference between a little boy and a man comes down to one word. Remember what it was? Responsibility. Responsibility. Real men, good men, take responsibility for their lives and their decisions. And they take responsibility for the, for the people that God has entrusted into their care. And little boys don't. Because they're little boys. In other words, here's what that means for me. Not everything that happens in my life, or has happened, will happen in the future, to me or to my family, not everything is my fault. It's just not. It does, however, land on my desk. It lands at my feet. It is, the, as the leader of my life and, and, and my home, it's my responsibility to take everything that happens to me and my family, all right, own it, and with God's help, point it back towards that bullseye, towards that, that target that God has in mind for my and my family's life. So then the next two weeks, Scott took that concept of, of leadership and responsibility and applied it to the most, the most important relationship that a man will ever enter into. And I say most important relationship because I'm talking about marriage. And here's why I'm talking, why I say that's so, so important. Men, and a lot of us know this is true, we learned it the hard way, but men, if we get this right, marriage has the potential for you and the woman you love to have an experience, an awesome, great life. But if we get it wrong... It has the potential for you and the woman you love to experience the closest thing to hell, this side of hell itself, right? And again, don't point or anything, but that's some of our stories, isn't it? And again, I, I don't, we're not throwing stones in this whole, whole series. But how many, don't raise your hand, but how many of us jumped into marriage unprepared for the wrong reasons, with the wrong expecta expectations, with the wrong person, and we messed it up? Or they did, and most of the time, to be honest, all the signs were there before we married them that this wasn't going to work. We just downplayed them or ignored them. We thought it would get better after we, after we got married. Then it, then it wouldn't be a problem anymore. But the truth is, marriage magnified our problems, didn't it? It didn't cover, solve, or fix any of them, right? So, so what's a better way to approach marriage? What's the biblical way to approach marriage, man? It looks like this, Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, all right? Now, women, you have to carry your hair of the load too, but we're just talking to men, all right? So husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, loved us, and gave himself up for, for her, for, for us. What's that mean? It means this. A man who's willing to take responsibility for his own life, like Jesus did. That's marriage. It, to, to be the head of his home and take responsibility for caring for all those within his care, like Jesus did. That's marriage. See, the question is not, ladies, in case you're wondering, will he be the head of your home? No, he will. He will. The only question is, will he be a good one or a bad one? And by good, I mean, will he have his eyes fixed on Jesus? Will he love you well? 
See, see, men, the kind of men that we have to be, that we need to be, and ladies, the kind of men that you need to look for and not settle for anything less than this looks like this. A man who's willing to love you, chooses to love you, and later your children, and by definition, love means, remember, to provide and protect at all cost. Let's just say it together, love. To provide and protect at all cost. Provide everything within his power. Ladies, right? To make sure that you are able to achieve your God-given potential and to protect you and your children from anything or anyone, including himself, his own selfish desires and agendas that might try to take away from you what God intended you to have. See, that's a good marriage. That's the man you need, right? See, in a relationship like that, two people, a man and a woman in marriage, find intimacy and partnership and mutual love, mutual respect and joy that will see them through the worst of times. And you can have the best marriage ever and you're gonna go through the worst times. I like how Scott unpacked this. He said that a couple that, that, that finally connects, they can be naked and unashamed because there's no lying, no insecurity, no fear physically, sexually, emotionally, and spiritually. Then these past two weeks, we've, we've turned to fathers and, and our, men, our, our need to recognize God's truth and the reality that while both parents are to be involved in the raising and training and instruction of their children, fathers, we have a unique role in the lives of our children that if we get it right, will be the most helpful influence in the life of that child. And if we get it wrong, it could be the most destructive force that a child will ever have to spend the rest of his life trying to overcome. So the message, at least to me, from God was simply this. Dads, don't screw up your kids. Right? Best thing you ever heard in church, right? I can't. I can't screw them up. Or the verse we actually tore apart for two weeks was this little verse right here. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And this is a call out. This is a command from God to, to all the fathers in the room. Don't exasperate your children. Don't do things or fail to do things today, present day, in the moment, in the life of your child that leaves them unprepared and frustrated for tomorrow and the rest of their life. Don't do that. Well, that's the first, that's, that's exasperate. So, so instead, dads, you get involved. You jump in. You, you get involved in the, the training, which by definition is, this is how you do it, and this is how you don't do it. And the instruction, this is why you do it that way, and this is why you, you don't do it that way. Dad, it's your job. It's our job. We do that for our kids. So well, why? why? Why is it so important that I get involved in, all right? Here's, here's the reason to that, right? The, the, the reason for that question. Your kids can't see the target from where they are. You know why? Because they're kids. It's really hard to see God's plan for your life when you're 11, right? It's, it's hard when you're 18. It's hard when you're 30, but it's almost impossible when, you, when you're a little kid. And even though they can't see this life that God has in mind for them, you can, or you have to, because God has entrusted these children to your care to provide for them anything you know, that you can provide that will help them achieve that life God wants for them and to protect them from anything or anyone that might try to take that away from them. Again, dad, it's our job. Most important thing we'll do on the planet, I think. First priority. Dads, our first priority with our children is not their daily happiness. My, my, my goal in life is not to make my children happy every single day. My, my goal in life is that they don't skip through life with warm fuzzies every moment of the day. My goal in life, love, provide, protect at all cost. So dads, this is what it looks like. You look at your kids and, and you say things like this. I'm going to lead you. Follow me. I'm going to run towards Jesus. You follow me. I will, I will not only teach you and train you and instruct you, but I, I'll model for you in my own life. Not just by my words. That's easy. But by my actions. So I'm saying, kids, all right, I'm risking it here. 
this is what it looks like. Watch me. This is what it looks like to use money wisely. This is what it looks like to keep your marriage promises. Watch how I treat your mom. This is what sexual purity looks like. This is what I will do to any punk who tries to take that away from you, all right? This is what it looks like to get up from a mistake and keep going. This is what it looks like to love you. These are the hills I'm willing to die on, and these are the things I'm willing to go to jail for. See, God has put a rod in my hand of defense and protection and told me, Dad, take care of your children, and I'm going to. I have a little bit of time, a little bit of leverage, a little bit of power, and a little bit of money, and I'm going to use everything at my disposal, not as a weapon against you, but for you. I'm going to be firm. I'm going to stand firm on certain things, and I'm going to be strong. You won't like, like it or like me or agree with me. I'm okay with that, but I promise I'll do my best not to be mean or hurtful. I'll guide you as best I can, nudge you, pull you away from things that I know and I believe could hurt you. And even if you don't agree with me and you don't like it and you can't see it, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to try to be. I'll do what I said I was going to do. And what I am able to do, I'm going to do all of that. And even when I make mistakes, and I'm sure I will, I'll never, ever, 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 ever stop working on us. Learning and pursuing how to make myself and our relationship, the two of us, right and better so I can love you the way that you need and deserve to be loved. So help me God. Why? Because God let me be your dad. That's why. So after all that, seven weeks, how do you land the plane on this? How do you wrap this up and kind of put an exclamation point on the end of it and go, all right, we're done, all right? I mean, let's be honest. As men, this is a lot of information, isn't it? A lot of pressure and a lot to take in, let alone, you know, in 30 minutes to get up out of this room and try to go do it. That's just overwhelming, isn't it? So what is the takeaway for the boys and men in this room? And I think it goes back to our, to, to our title of our, our series, Reverse Engineering. Here's what, what I mean by that. The concept of reverse engineering is, is to zero in on that target, the bullseye that you intend to hit, the outcomes or, or kind of the goals for your life, and then work back to where you are tonight Make whatever adjustments you have to make in your life starting tonight. And from this point forward, work all the steps it's going to take to finally hit the bullseye. That's reverse engineering. And then the concept of reverse engineering, let me tell you what it doesn't include. It doesn't mean going back further than tonight and either resting on past accomplishments or surrendering, putting up a white flag and quitting because I feel defeated by my past. See, I mean, I mean your past successes and failures, they matter. They make a difference. And we have to learn from our past, right? Our past successes and, and failures. That works, that doesn't work. Don't ever do that again. But there's never a time in any part of life, but, but there's never a time when you can look at the past and go, well, I got that down, I'm done. Don't have to worry about that ever, ever, ever again. I, I don't even have to work on it anymore. Eh, not true. I mean, there, there's no autopilot. There, there's no cruise control in life, especially when it comes to marriage and, and, and family. True? I mean, we talked about this earlier. You, you might have done everything right or, or everything wrong in your past. Up to this point, you might have been the best man ever or the worst one, a great husband or a lousy one, a good father or a deadbeat. And while our past doesn't have the right to determine or define our future, here is the reality. No matter what your past contains, every day you get a new day. Every day is a new day. And all the definitions of this is the kind of man I am or I have been in the past, this is the kind of husband I am or I have been in the past, this is the kind of father I am or I have been in the past, every day they're all waiting to be decided and written or rewritten with every new sunrise. And they're totally dependent upon the daily choices and decisions that we make that come with every day. See, the past happened, right? Good or bad, and you can't change it. It happened. But every day you have an opportunity to write and define a new one, a better one. This is the man I am from this point on. 
Now, we're gonna, I'm going to look at a part of the Bible that we haven't covered yet. Uh, this guy named Paul writes in the Bible, kind of this is what we're talking about. And, 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 and he's talking about a very specific thing. But I want to take the truth that Paul's talking about here and apply it to the men in this room, all right? If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. So either look in the table of contents and find that. It's going to be on the screens and it's in your paper. But let me kind of set this up. And I really encourage you to read like the whole, the whole chapter anyway when you get home tonight. But Paul has just spent the, the verses of, above this, the, this part of the letter of above this. And he's saying this. I have a lot of people coming up to me saying, Paul, you've done some amazing things in your life. You're awesome. Then I have another group of people coming up to me going, Paul, you really screwed up your life in the past. You're horrible. And he says this. I take both of those things, the good things I've done in my past and, and, the, and, the, and my, my, my successes, my, my failures, everything that people say and think about me. He says this. All that stuff, he says, I consider all of it, all right? And he says, Rubbish. And that's a really nice translation. The, the Greek word is, is skubalon, and it's actually the closest the Bible comes to, to cussing. It's the slang word for poop. Figure it out. All right? So, all right? It's like, oh, it's the S. I know, I know. All right? He says, my, everything I've done good in the past, yesterday, everything I've done bad in the past, I'm telling you, it's a bunch of crap compared to this one thing. This, this one thing that I want and I have to have in my life. And here it is. Here's what Paul is hanging his hope on. If I'm ever going to become and be the man that I want to be, that God intended in me and the people in my life need me to be, here it is. Let's look at this. Philippians chapter 3, verse, verse 10. Paul says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I'll, I'll explain all this in a minute, all right? And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That sounds weird, but I'll explain it. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, I want to leave these verses up here because I want to take this, these verses right here, all right? And I want to kind of put them in my own words or paraphrase them, all right? In light of everything we've been talking about in here for the last eight weeks. So follow along in these verses, but you, you, and you'll know where I am even though I'm using different words. Paul's writing this. As a man, I want to know. I, I want to be in a relationship with Christ that's, that's so strong and so tight that whatever challenge, hardship, or temptation that I might face, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, raised him out of the grave, I believe that same power will empower me to do what I need to do, especially when I don't want to do it, when I'm tired and I want to give up. I just don't know what to do. I want to have such a close relationship and connection to Jesus that when something happens in my life that causes me to suffer, I'll know that Jesus is right there in the ditch with me, suffering with me, and I'm never alone. No matter how crazy or jacked up my life gets or how bad it feels, I even want to be like Jesus in his death. And here's what I mean by that. I, I, I want to live the kind of life that, that would, just like Jesus did, that, that would do any and everything to provide for the, and protect the people in my life that I love. Whatever it costs me to do that. Lay down my life like Jesus. See, and here's how I can do that. I, I know that my God will not abandon me in some dark hole, but he'll pick me up and he'll raise me up and, and he'll dust me off and he'll reward me far above anything it might cost me to love my family the way they need to be loved. Now, let's just be honest, guys, all right? Isn't that the way you wish you were described? I'm just like that. That's my life. That's my life with Christ. We're that tight, all right? I'm so tight with Christ. I feel his presence every day. Driving down the road. I know Jesus is in my heart and in my life. I have the power to do what I can't do on my own. And I'm able to love people, especially the people in my life that live at my house, the way they deserve to be loved. I want that, don't you? Now, I want you to hold on to that, all right? I have God's presence in my life. I have God's power in my life. And I can provide and protect and love the people in my life, all right? I want you to remember that because for the rest of these verses, anytime Paul uses the pronoun it or this or that, that's what he's talking about, that life, okay? That changes everything, that bullseye relationship with, with Christ. 
Now again, again, the, the answer I just saw the nodding heads. Don't you want to have that life? Everybody's going, yes, I want to have that, that life, right? Do you have that life? Do you have that tight relationship with Jesus? Because I don't. Some of you are going, oh, good, because I don't either, all right? I thought we are supposed to, but I don't, all right, all right? But you're not alone, all right? Neither does Paul. Paul's not there, at least not yet. But keep reading, look at verse 12, all right? He just, he's just this is me too guy, because not that I've already obtained all this. I don't have a relationship with Jesus like that. I mean, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I haven't been made perfect. So Paul admits it right off the bat. I, I'm not there. I'm not perfect. I, I still make mistakes. Would you look at me? I, this is not the finished product. Hopefully God's still working on me, but, but there's more. Not that I've already obtained all this life or have already been made perfect, all right? But I, here it is, I press on to take hold of that, that life for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And then leave this up again too, all right? That, that phrase press on means I, I'm gonna run after it. I'm gonna push into it. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna do everything I know to do and everything that I can do to get my hands on that target. To, to, to get that bullseye life, that life, that, that, that reason that Jesus actually took, took hold of me in the first place. Now look at this, verse 13. Brothers, he's Paul talking, so he's talking to us, all the men in the room, all right? All right? And it would apply to the women too, but this is man serious. All right, so brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I, I don't have that relationship with Jesus yet. I'm not there yet. I don't have my arms around it. But here it is, ready? But one thing I do. One thing I do, now time out here, all right? Everybody look up here, all right? This is that moment in the night where if you're one of those people who has never, ever, 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 ever written anything down in church in your whole life, this is the time to do it. Just reach in that lady's purse, get a pen and some offering. Go ahead and do that right now, all right? <laughs> this is the time, I, I want you to write something down. And, and, and here's why, all right? Paul is about to announce, some of you are staring at me, Get a pen, all right? Paul is about to announce the, this, this one thing that he, he says, I believe this is, this, is, this is our only shot. He says, this is my only shot. He's, this, is, this is Jim's only shot. Every man in the room, this is our best, our only shot of ever reaching that goal, of hitting that bullseye, of taking hold of this life that we were meant to have. And this is the only way we're ever gonna experience and have what we've been talking about the last eight weeks ever be a reality in our life. So pay, pay close attention to this. Here it is, ready? But one thing I do, here's the key. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal, the bullseye, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's it. All the men in the room, all right? Let's just read this out loud together. Here we go. One, two, three. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Hang on to that. Let's wrap this thing up. I just want to ask some questions. Men, do you want to be better men than you currently are? And to the younger half of the room, I, I would ask it this way, all right? So, so middle school, high school, college, all right? Do, do you want to be a better boy, a better young man now starting tonight so you could be a great man later? Do you want to be the kind of boyfriend now and the, and the kind of husband and father later that's not only loved by his wife and kids, but, but respected and honored and supported because they know and trust that, that he'll do everything he has to do to love and provide and protect them no matter what it costs him? Do you want to be that man? Fathers, do, do you want to be able to teach your sons well now so they'll be great men later, great husbands, great fathers? Fathers, we pushed into this last week. Do you want to be able to and are you willing to protect your daughters at all costs? So they'll have a clear understanding of how valuable and important and precious they are, not just to you, but to God who loves them more than you love them. 
And so they never settle for or become the victim of some boy or bully who uses them, abuses them, and then throws them away. Do you want to be a man that takes care of his family? And if the answer to that is yes, I want to be that kind of man, that's the target I want, that's the life, the bullseye. If that's what you say you want, it comes down to just a few things. Write them down if you can. Man, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's where this whole thing started eight weeks ago, and we've come back to it every week. Keep our eyes and focus on Jesus. What he says is right. This is a better way to live your life. This is a better way to treat women. This is a better way to treat your body. This is just a better way to live. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Watch at the links that he went through to demonstrate what it looks like. Men, we have to aim our life at Jesus. Not over here, not over there. Not get sidetracked by that shiny thing over there. Jesus. Jesus. And next, men, we have to, we have to forget the past. We have to forget the past. And that doesn't mean I don't remember Tuesday. It's not what it means. It's like, I sinned, but I don't remember it. God washed my brain. No, no, no. No, I, you're never going to forget some of that stuff. It means this. I got to let, let go. I, I can't carry it around all the time. I'm not going to carry that devil on my back or all the weight of my past failures on my back. And I'm not going to use my past as an excuse to keep on making the same mistakes over and over today. And I'm not going to back off of what I need today, to do today because yesterday went pretty well, so I'm on cruise control. No. No, every day, every new day, I'm going to get out of bed, realize what's at stake, and then I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on toward that goal, that that bullseye, that life. I'm going to press on. Tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to press on. The next day I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep on pressing on. I'm not. I'm just never going to give up, give in, quit, or resign from the responsibility that God has entrusted to me. I can't. It's too much at stake. So men, does that describe you? You're sitting there going, I want to be that man. I, I want to become that man. And if that's you, then here's, here's how we're going to end this today, all right? I got to do some more review to set up the end, okay? So about five times I go, this is it, all right? But it's not. We're going to keep going for quite a while. All right, so eight weeks ago, I threw out a challenge in this room to the boys and men. Hey, for the next eight weeks, six, eight weeks, however long this thing is going to last, would you just really lean into what God might want to teach you? about this is what it looks like to be a good man, a godly man. And a lot of you, that, that, that night, that Saturday night, some of you came back the, the following night, you drew a line in the sand and said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna open up my heart. God, speak to me. I, I'll, I'll kind of brace myself, say what you need to say. And a lot of you did it. I mean, you're here tonight. You, you've, you've sat over the last month and a half, you sat through and endured some really hard, even intrusive teaching as God cut into some really tender places in your heart, Right? He stepped on our toes. He crushed mine a couple of times. And he forced us to deal with some really, really tough realities of our life. But you did it. You manned up and you hung in there. Or the way we said it in the last man series across the street, you grew a pair. Or you found the pair that you lost some time in the past, all right? And, and even if you don't or, don't, don't or didn't agree with everything that Scott and I said, you were still able to reach in there and go, God, teach me one truth. And you did it. So hang on to that, Okay. Now, go back all the way before Christmas. I, it was November, and I'd just gotten off a plane, gotten back from, from Africa, right? And, and one of the things I stood up here and shared with you all was kind of my feelings of being overwhelmed and frustrated by, by the lack of, of responsible men, husbands, and fathers in the African communities that I had visited, men who wouldn't or couldn't step up and love their families the way they needed to be loved. And I came back here and told you about Musana, and, and we jumped in, and we're taking care of kids. But you don't have to go to Africa, right? You just, you just don't. I mean, I see a lot of similarities in some of the villages that I, that I visited over there, right here in the United States, right here in Colorado, right here in this room, right? You don't have to get on a plane to see it. 
Let me just be honest. How much of the chaos in, in our lives and in our families, in our relationships, past and present, can be traced back to there was this man. There was a man in my life, my dad, uh, my husband, my boyfriend, my son, who needed, I needed him to be a good man. I needed him to be a better man, a responsible man, but he wasn't. Either because he didn't know how to be a good man or he just chose not to. And now there are parts of my life that are broken and in, ca- in chaos. Remember? Remember that, talking about that? File that away. Now, a couple months ago, I was out in the lobby having a conversation, and a cop friend of mine came up to me in the lobby, and he handed me this, this bracelet. And he said, hey, I want to give this to you. And I said, well, what's it stand for? Because all these rubber bracelets, they all stand for something. I'm like, what does it stand for? And it has a, a thin blue line down the middle of it. And he says, that represents, in, in police world, this represents the, the thin blue line that stands between calm and chaos. And we actually wear that in honor uh, of the officers who have given their lives standing on that line. Well, ah, that's awesome. I wear it every chance I get. Now, hold on to that. Now, over the last eight weeks, there have been about a million people have come up to me or emailed me or Facebooked me and said, Jim, have you seen the movie Courageous? Because it lines up exactly what you and Scott have been teaching about. And I've got to be honest with you, all right? Um, <laughs> I, I, I hate most Christian sappy movies. They're just bad movies, all right? But, but last week, um, it's confession time, all right? I, I, I got some buddies and we went down in the basement so no one could see us and we watched courageous, all right? And here's the thing. Um, although it's not going to get any Academy Awards for a great acting, the message, right on target. It lines up exactly what we've been unpacking in here. And the movie ends with some men making a resolution to be, be better men, better husbands, better followers, and followers of Jesus. And, and if you want to watch it, you can rent it on iTunes and Amazon and Redbox, all the usual places. And you can get on, they, they signed a resolution, all right? You can Google courageous resolution if you want a copy of that. But Really quickly, whether you, whether you like those kind of movies or not, here's the resolution that, that these men made and signed. And see if any of this sounds familiar to what we've been unpacking over the last eight weeks. Look at this. Read along with me if you want. I bet. It says this. I, these are the men. I, I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. I will love them, protect them, serve them, and teach them the word of God as the spiritual leader of my home. I will be faithful to my wife to love and honor her and be willing to lay my life down for her as Jesus Christ did for me. I will bless my children and teach them to love God with all their hearts, all their minds, and all their strength. I will train them to honor authority and live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice, and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness, respect, and compassion. I will work diligently to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those I have wronged. I will learn from my mistakes, repent of my sins, and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, be faithful to his church, obey his word, and do his will. I will courageously work with the strength God provides to fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life and for his glory. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, that's good stuff, right? It just is. And here's what I want to do to close today. I want to take everything I just said in the last five minutes and combine it. Meaning this, there's a lot of us men who say, I want to experience and I want to be connected to God. Many of us say, I want God's power in my life to help me do the things that I don't know how to do. At the top of the list, be a good man, be a good boyfriend, be a good husband, be a good father. And a lot of us say, I don't want to be the guy who quits all the time. But the only way, man, the only way that is ever going to happen is this. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We have, to, we have to be willing to let go of the past. We have to get up every day out of bed and work really, 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 really hard and never, ever, ever, ever quit or give up, right? There is no shortcut. It's just the truth. So my question, men, are, are you that kind of man? Or do you want to be? 
Is that the kind of men that you're willing to, to resolve and commit to become? And so here's, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do in the next few minutes as we sing, you know, three songs. In the front of the auditorium, all right, I put in the front of these aisles up here, I put, I put a thin red line, all right? And then today that, that red line kind of represents for us, for men, all right, we drew a line in the sand. I, I drew a line in my life, a line that says, I'm gonna forget the past. I gotta let go of it. The past is on the other side of that line. I'm not going back there. But from this point on, I resolve, with God's help, I wanna be a better man. And the line is red. I was thinking about that. That can represent love, Valentine's Day, like that type of thing, or blood. Meaning this, I'd rather die than fail at this, which is, by definition, love, right, at all costs. Now, if you pass that line, beyond that line is a table. And on the table is a book and some sheets of paper. In, in that book is a space to sign your name. See, it's easy to walk an aisle, symbolically kind of make an emotional response and walk down here and everybody go, oh, look at that wonderful man over there. But to sign your name on the line, that's something different. That's another step. And it means this, I, I give you my word. I'm attaching my name, my integrity, my character to this moment. Sign me up. I give my word. I pledge my honor. I will do this. Now, here's the thing. All right, so if you sign this book in just a few minutes, you can go home tonight, get on our website, click on, uh, on the, 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 it says uh, men's resources or something like that. There's a PDF of, of what you're about to sign up here. You can download that, print it off, frame it, and put it up in your house or in your office, whatever, to remind you of, of this moment. But finally, after you sign your name, I've asked some of our, our leadership staff and some of our elders to be up here to shake your hand in an agreement. You can do this. And then they're going to hand you a little bracelet, all right, with a thin red line on it for you to, to wear from this point on, as long as you want to, to remember this moment. Now, here's what happens. Whenever you put on one of these bracelets, people go, what's that one? Is that that cancer one? Or is that that, you know, this one? Or is that that, that one? And so usually you go, well, it means this. So if somebody comes up to you and goes, what's that one for? You know, if you're just not, I, just, I, I don't know what to say. How about this? Um, it helps me to remember to pray for my kids. Just that. I just try to pray for my kids every day. Now, you can do that. I mean, just the worst jerk in the world wouldn't have a problem with that. You pray for your kids. That's horrible, right? right? No, nobody would do that. And if they do, then they're just a horrible person, all right? Or, or, you know, if you're like one of those people going, you really want to know? Because I got eight, we're eight weeks worth of material. So here we go, you know, and you ambush them. I wouldn't do that either. But it's up to you. So this is not a witnessing tool, right? Please don't think of it as like, this is for you. This, this is for you. What do you mean? It means this, when you're too tired to pay attention to your wife because you're just tired or tuck your kids into bed because they're annoying, it will, it will, it will remind you. It's <laughs> keeping it real, all right? It reminds you to get your lazy butt off the couch and go love your wife and hug your kids. So I don't know where to start. You know that prayer thing last week? On our, on our, on, in your program and also on our website, we've listed all these resources for men to take a first step, all right? This will remind you that when you get really, really, really tired or frustrated or mad or angry, it'll remind you, don't give up and don't blow up. Don't give in. Press on. And here's a big one. You wear this on your wrist and, and when you're all by yourself and you're tempted to go back to the old filth and the pig slop that used to define your life, you'll remember, oh yeah, I'm not that guy anymore. I am not that man anymore. And I'm not going back. I'd rather die than go back and be that man again. I drew a line in the sand and I'd, I'm a better man than I used to be. Now, here are the rules of engagement for tonight. You gotta have rules, it's church. You gotta have rules. All right, so first of all, this is not the only week we're gonna do this. This is the only week we're gonna do it up front, but after tonight in the, in the lobby for the next, I don't know, for the next several months anyway, we're gonna have an area set up in the lobby 
with a red line that you can step across, sign your name and get your bracelet. Now, a lot of you should do this today, but some of you should not yet. Here's what I mean. So if you see a man not walk up here, don't look at him and go, you're a horrible person. You hate Jesus and your kids. Don't, don't do that, all right? <laughs> they might be, but that's not why they're not walking up here, okay? Here's just kind of some, rule, some guidelines, rules, whatever you want to call them. But if you have not been here in this room, listen to this teaching for at least six out of the last eight weeks or listen to it online if you couldn't be here. Before you do this, sign your name and get this bracelet, go back online and listen to the messages that you missed so you realize the full weight and magnitude of what you're signing up for. Then after that, I mean, heck, you, you could do that tonight. You go home and listen to two or three messages or whatever, come back in here tomorrow and, and walk up here in, in, in the aisle, all right? Step across that line, pledge, you know, pledge your name and get your bracelet to remember this moment. Now, you can cheat this. You can. You can go, well, you know, I, I promised that I'll listen to him later or something like that, right? But, but if you start this resolution to be a better man without integrity, if your first step in being a better man is, is a lie, don't bother. Don't bother. I mean, if you can't do this one little thing, listen to two messages online. I was here, you know, I promise if you can't do this little thing, I promise you will not keep your word later when it gets really, really hard. So Wait. That would be integrity. And sign after you do your homework. Second, let me tell you who this is open to. This is only open to men and boys 13 years or older. All right? And everybody has to get their own. All right? Hey, kid, do not go, Mama, you go get mine. No. <laughs> and I'm tired. No, no, no. Don't send mom up here to get yours. Dude, this is your deal. And I know, here come the conversations in the lobby, which is why I'm not going there later, all right? But I got, I'm going to have ladies come up and go, well, my husband couldn't make it tonight, or my son lives out of town, and I want to get him one and mail it to him. And no, no, his deal, his deal, he, he, can, he can get one when, when he can make it to church in a week or a month or whenever he decides to come, or he, or he can listen online. How about this? Just tell your, your son, or your wife, he's over in Iraq or whatever, you listen online, you mail me or email me your signature, and I'll mail him a bracelet. All right? I promise. Ladies, I mean it. Back off. Do not do this for him. And now, why, why the age limit? That's not fair, all right? Well, we're going to go back to the first story of Jesus moving from boyhood to manhood. And here, I know there's exceptions to the rule. I know there's some 10-year-old boys in here who are very, very, very mature. And there's 16-year-old boys in here who can't tie their shoes by themselves. I get it. 13. 13 and up, all right? And if you're 12 and a half, don't panic. We ordered plenty of these bracelets. We're not going to run out. And, and if we do, we'll order some more. We, you know, we don't have many markers in our life, at least in America, of boys becoming men. This is a baby step in that direction. And parents, in a month or two or six months or a year, you, know, you can walk up to that display out in the lobby and you can celebrate as they made their own decision to be this kind of man. And I know it's, well, we've got to walk all the way down there from there, right? You know, listen, I was in Africa a few years ago, and I found out what it takes to be a boy to become a man there. They bring 13-year-olds in front of the entire village and circumcise them on the spot. You got it easy, okay? <laughs> if you want to go there, we're not, all right? But so now I'm, I'm done. It's the third time I've said that. But I had an idea for all these names, because there going to be thousands of names up here, all right? Next weekend, when you come in here, we're going to have them up on all the walls. These are the men of our church who want to be better men. And then I had a thought, maybe we should put like a Sharpie right up there because in case anybody, any man kind of screws it up and we could just cross him off the list, you know? <laughs> and then I remembered, well, that's how it works in a lot of places, isn't it? 
That's how it is in a lot of churches. You screw up, there's the door. But not here, not at Flatirons. We're not gonna do that and not with Jesus. Some of you are going, I don't, know, I don't know if I should go up there and do that. What if I make a mistake or a lot of mistakes? You will. Absolutely, you will, which is why we need grace. But the same grace that gives you forgiveness is the same grace that will give you the power to get your eyes back on Jesus, back on the target, get out of bed tomorrow, every day, a new day, and try again and never, ever, 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 ever give up. Men of Flatirons, we can do this. We can be these men. We can do this. I'm going to pray. Um, let's just stand up. I'm going to pray. And then uh, there's going to be plenty of time. We only have three songs. We ran out of songs before we ran out of men <laughs> last hour. All right. So just take your time. You guys up there, don't jump. Go use the stairs. All right. And uh, there'll, there'll be plenty of time. Let me pray. And then uh, we'll worship. And then uh, intentionally step across that line if that's you. Okay. Let's pray together. God, I thank you. I thank you for uh, what you're about to do in the life of our church. I think we're going to be able to look back on this date and go, things are different in our church, in our homes, in our relationship with my husband. My dad, something happened to my dad. Not all at once, but it started. I can look back and something changed in, in that man in my life. My boyfriend, we had a hard conversation and realized things got to be different. So I pray for the men in this room that you'll give them courage. They should walk down here with their knees shaking, but holding on to you that, because they realize it. The only way I'm going to do this, Jesus, if you'll stay with me and, and prop me up. I need your power to do what I can't do. I pray for the women in this room that have been wanting and asking and praying that their men will uh, just be better men. I pray they'll be really gentle with their husbands and boyfriends as they try to take a step in this direction. It's just a step. They'll encourage them and build them up. Tell them how proud they are of them. I pray for the kids in this room who've been asking for a good father, better father, I pray for the middle school, high school, and college young men in this room right now who have unbelievable pressure on them to be something very different than a good man. I pray you will give them courage and strength. Forgive them for their past, even last night. And give them strength and hope to walk into the future. I thank you for, your, for this church. A place that doesn't throw stones, just keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus and says, let's do this together. I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's go.